There were a lot of them from Faye's college hanging around the club, and they all looked up to the older guys, the regulars like TJ, who'd seen it all and bought the ripped T-shirt. And Faye was a regular now too, as much part of the place as the stale smoke in the air. The club was a second home to her. Silver baby, TJ said that night, they ought to have a picture of you over the door. Silver was her new name, her club name, she loved it. Her hair had long strands of platinum through the tawny golds and brands. Silver strands. The music was low, with an insistent bass. No matter what music was in fashion, the club played rock. Tonight, TJ's favourite, the Stones. Faye loved their music. Song after song, reaching into her heart and tearing it out. Every emotion was there. Pain, love, sexual ecstasy, heartbreak. Mick's voice speaking directly to her. TJ passed her the joint. Try this, Silver, you'll like it. His hand was around her shoulder, touching her breast through a thin T-shirt, a gesture of possession. Telling all the other men around the booth she was his, Faye thought with pride. There was a moment before she took the first drag of the joint when she thought how odd it was. Then the moment passed, the heady numbness soaked into her limbs. TJ smiled, sipped more Jack Daniels and smiled some more as he watched her get happy. When she was happy, Faye got up and danced, with TJ looking on from the booth, his eyes hooded, watching her body undulate to the music. That night, he sent Faye up to the bar to order drinks. Hi, Maria, she said to the barmaid. Can I have four JDs, one Coke and three double vodkas, no ice? Maria was forty, maybe older. She had dyed red hair, big brown eyes, and a smoker's mouth with lots of lines. In her black jeans and teeny T-shirt with the tattooed butterfly on her biceps, she didn't look like Faye's mother, but she spoke to her like a mother now. Honey, you shouldn't be here, Maria said, expertly filling the drinks order. You're a nice kid, this isn't the place for you. Why not? Faye asked, confused. Because that man is using you, can't you see? They're laughing at you, honey. Maria paused at the disbelieving look in Faye's eyes. I'm only trying to help. I hate to see you get tangled up in this world. Get out while you can. You're wrong, Faye said. Nobody's using me. Maria moved closer. Honey, you know what they call you? Silver. It's because of my hair, Faye said, smiling, shaking her mane. No, said Maria flatly. It's because TJ's the Lone Ranger. His horse was called Silver. It's because he rides it. What's up, Silver? TJ asked when she came back with the drinks. You don't look happy to see me. He didn't like people's minds moving from him, except when they were wasted. Nothing. She drank half her vodka and leaned in against him to take the joint. This was it, right? What else was there? The next morning, there was the usual assortment of bodies lying around TJ's tiny flat, the smell of dirty feet, sweat, cigarette smoke. Who knew what else? Faye sat up in the bed and couldn't really remember getting there. She hugged her knees up to herself, in an attempt to get comfort. From somewhere, she could hear Gimme Shelter playing on the stereo, another song in the soundtrack to this life of being TJ's silver. She felt her skin crawl. Faye had never liked herself much. 
she had been grateful to lose herself in this numbing new life with TJ and the club. But now she saw it all with stunning clarity, and she loathed who she'd become. Hey, Silver, said one of the guys from the floor, opening an eye. How's it going? Silver. Everybody had known what it stood for except her. That's all she was, Silver, the Lone Ranger's ride, nothing more, not a person, a ride. All the hopes and dreams of a young human being cruelly dismissed by one word. She found her jeans at the end of the bed, pulled them on and winced. In the mirror, she saw the reason for the pain. There were bruises down her back, angry, livid marks. Trawling back through the mental fog of the night before, she could remember her and TJ in the kitchen having sex up against the kitchen cabinets, with people everywhere, nobody noticing, nobody caring. Even now she could feel the ridge of formica digging into her back. This was the great new world she was in. This was where she thought she was special. A world of being treated like dirt by people who didn't care, who were looking for victims, people to use. They didn't know where she got the strength, but somewhere deep inside her she found courage. She gathered her stuff together. There wasn't much, really, nothing to mark her presence there at all. There was no sign of TJ. He was probably off with some other woman, poor cow. They felt sorry for her. Nobody noticed as she slipped out and closed the door behind her. But I was pregnant, she told Christy and Maggie as they sat in Christy's beautiful room. It must have happened that night, him and me in the kitchen, up against the cabinets. She wiped her eyes with a rough gesture. Pregnant and alone, she laughed mirthlessly. Because I was hardly going to find TJ and say, Hi, Daddy, what sort of cot will we buy? Are you planning to be there at the birth? I had to leave college because I was so unwell and couldn't cope. My mother was so good to me and took care of us both. Then, after Amber was born, she would babysit so I could work. Finally, when I got a good job, we moved here, to start again on Summer Street. <laughs> There's something so hopeful about this place, isn't there? I felt it from the first. She looked beseechingly at Maggie and Christy, wanting them to understand. I could begin again here. I could be someone new, someone Amber could be proud of. And I wanted her to be proud of me. The only other person who knows the whole story is my mother, they added. Nobody else. I was too ashamed. My mother worked so hard all her life to put me and my brother through college, and I paid her back like that, thinking so little of myself that I let people use me, mistaking sex for intimacy, thinking TJ's behaviour signified love and respect and affection. How dumb could I have been, she said hoarsely. You're only a kid. Christy said, feeling nothing but compassion for Faye. You did what so many women do, think sex is love when it's not. You know now, and you must forgive yourself. You can't feel guilty forever. I should have told Amber, said Faye blankly, as if she didn't hear Christy. As a parent, you want your child to look up to you. But as I don't respect myself, how could she? How could I tell her that her father was a low-life scumbag who had never cared? Did he know about her? Maggie asked. I brought her to see him at the club when she was six months old. Some of the faces round the table had changed. Everyone was clearly out of it, and holding court in the middle was TJ, the inevitable girl on his arm. Except 
TJ was thinner now, and his face was even more gaunt. Hey, darling, he smiled, you're joining us. He didn't recognize her, Faye realized, and she was standing there with his child in her arms. Then, with a shock, she saw that the arm thrown around the girl had needle tracks in it. That was the one thing she had never known TJ do, shoot up. He would drink, he smoked dope, and when he could get it, he was a hand for coke, but heroin had been off limits. Heroin was playing Russian roulette with a bullet in every chamber. And without looking back, she walked out of the club. Amber, her reason for living, snuggled in closer, happy in her mother's arms. I never saw him again, Faye told her audience. I told Amber her dad was from Scotland and died in a car crash. I said we'd never married, but we meant to, so it was like being a widow. I said that his parents were dead and he was an only child. It scared the hell out of me to wonder what would happen if Amber discovered the truth and found TJ. She shivered. If he hadn't died of his habit, 90% of heroin addicts do, you know. So, that's the story. Memoirs of a woman from the We Screwed Up But Hey We're Still Here Club. That's what I used to think it should be called. Maggie burst out laughing. Hey, can I join? Faye looked at Christy, as if expecting the older woman's disapproval. But there was nothing but sympathy and warmth in Christy's kind eyes. You deserve to be president of that club and get a medal, she said. Amber's a beautiful girl, Faye. You've nothing to be ashamed of. You should be proud of the way you've brought her up on your own. And she should be proud of you. But she deserves to know the truth, doesn't she? Christy stopped. The truth. It was easier to say it than to live it. She wasn't telling anyone her own truth, was she? We've all done things we thought we should hide, she said carefully. I've hidden stuff from the people I love, and I wish to God I hadn't because it eats you up from the inside out. How can I tell her any of this now? Faye groaned. After all the lies I've told her, you've reached the point where you can't do anything but tell her, Christy said. She knows what a good person you are because that's how you've brought her up. Stop imagining what other people will think, Faye, and realise you were a scared, vulnerable young woman. Forgive yourself. You lived your life and you did your best. Tell her. Face that truth. Christy knew now she wasn't just talking to Faye, but also to herself. Maggie, hanging on to every word, stared at Christy. Her hand unconsciously stroked the top of her thigh through her jeans, touching the scars that lay underneath. So facing the truth made you stronger. She hadn't thought of that before. She'd certainly never faced any of the truths in her own life. She'd buried them instead, kept them from her family and friends. But perhaps she had been wrong to do that. But what if Amber doesn't come back? Faye asked. Christy tried to push her mind into the future. It never worked that way. The future came to her rather than the other way round. But now, in the face of Faye's raw pain, she tried. And when the answer came to her in a flash, it was a mother's intuition rather than anything otherworldly. You've got to go and find her. <laughs>